Welcome to the third episode of the Clutch Sports Podcast. Uh, so let's get into the Packers and Bucks game. Um, I mean, like I said, defense will win both games, and the Bucks had a much better defense. Uh, I mean, everybody's saying Tom Brady did great, but I mean, he showed uh, bad signs, three interceptions. He still had three touchdowns, but I mean, the Packers come up empty again, fourth. Conference championship loss in seven years. Uh, they couldn't get the running game going. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon all under seven carries. They had a much better running attack, and they just didn't get it going. I think coaching probably should have done that. Um, Kevin King looked awful for the Packers. He's mainly one of the reasons they lost, but that Bucks defense looked really good at the end of the game. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he played a good game. He played, he outplayed Tom Brady, in my opinion. But the defense is what gave the Bucks a win. Chris Godwin's five receptions, 110 yards. He played like he was supposed to play all season. Um, I mean, they got a nice, healthy running attack. Not amazing, but Leonard Fournette, 12 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, like I said, he outplayed Tom Brady, but they should have got the running game going, barely touched that rushing attack. I mean, they had, they had a much better running game. I mean, A.J. Dillon, even when he touched the ball, he averaged 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I've heard there's rumors Aaron Rodgers might retire. That might have been his last time. I mean, they just can't seem to win the big one when it matters but Tom Brady's going for seven Super Bowl and he's 43 years old and I mean that that's going to be a good matchup with the Chiefs uh, on the um, Chiefs. so I mean I was watching first take earlier and there was this question who who ruined their chance to go to the Super Bowl Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers what do you think um, I don't think it's either. I think it's Kevin King. I mean, he doesn't give up those big plays. Every touchdown came from him. I mean, he didn't do – he, like, all those touchdowns happened. You can see they had pictures. Kevin King was right next to whoever scored that touchdown. Aaron, I mean, you can't blame Aaron Rodgers. He threw 346 yards and three touchdowns. He only had one interception. And yeah, like, I, I mean, think- you're, you're not wrong, but, like, I, so – I think they were talking about, like, at the end of the game, you know how they kick the field goal instead of going for on fourth down. If you were Matt LaFleur, do you just tell Aaron Rodgers, go for it? You have to go for it. You can't give Tom Brady the ball with all he needs is a first down to win the game. Yeah, I know that. I mean, that's just coaching not believing in his quarterback. I mean, how can you not believe in Aaron Rodgers? He's one of the best ever. Yeah, I mean, I think – my opinion, you just you just go for it there. I mean, just put that's the game right there. Go go for it. Um, you have you have one of the you the MVP of this year, <laughs> and you have yeah, one I mean, of the best receivers. I mean, there was there was a couple of plays where Rogers should have got a touchdown, but he just he second guessed himself, and that just that was the difference. Yeah, I mean, he could just throw a ball up to Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams would catch it nine times out of ten, or they could just run it. I mean. They have all the weapons in the world. I just don't understand why you just kick a field goal. I mean, it, it, it's even if they get the touchdown, I mean, if they don't get a two point conversion, but it's like, I mean, you, it's the NFC, it's the conference championship. Like, you got to go for it. And now you might lose Rodgers because, I mean, he's probably fed up. I mean, he keeps losing and he can't win it. He can't win. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires. Um, If I'm Rodgers, right? I'm thinking two things. Either I stay in Green Bay, and the only way I stay in Green Bay is if I get I get more receivers than just Devontae Adams. He's getting older. He needs more weapons, too. And he can carry a team, but he cannot carry a team like this to a Super Bowl. He needs, he needs some other playmakers to get him, you know, past these other teams that are like, like the Bucs. They they're full of weapons. You give Rodgers a few weapons, I think he'll get to a Super Bowl. Or... He just leaves. He goes to another team or he retires. I mean, that's always an option with them. But he had the, the coaching staff and the GM just has to do better to him. They can't give him nothing and hope that they win. Yeah, and I think, like, the, this is the most stacked wide receiver. 
like free agency in a long time. I mean, they you go after Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, Will Fuller, Kenny Galladay. Like, there's so many big names out there. They all they got to do is that one guy. They can land yeah, and they were walk. they were talking about Will Fuller during the deadline. If you remember, the Packers were, and they just thought the yeah. price was too high. And here's your chance now. You can sign him probably cheaper because he came off the the suspension. You probably get him cheaper than he would have been, and he could be. He's your perfect wide receiver too, right there. Yeah, I mean, and then you got Scantling is your wide receiver three. Scantling, he he is maybe a wide receiver two, but I don't think he's a wide receiver two on a Super Bowl winning team. So I think they got to move him to wide receiver three for now. But I mean, they can let Aaron Jones walk. AJ Dillon, he's he's a beast. And then they got still got Jamal Williams. And then, I mean, they got Tanya and Ali Nisha's that wide receiver two and. If you add someone like Fuller, it just opens up more opportunities for Adams, who's probably going to end up being one of the best wide receivers in history. Yeah, I mean, they just got to add one more guy, and that's a championship team. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that same question for the Bills game. Uh, who do you think's fault was that? Was it a coaching, or do you think the players didn't play good? Um. You know, I would like to say it's a specific Bills fault, but I think the Chiefs just went in there and outclassed them. If I'm being honest, they they came in there, they were I don't know what the Bills were expecting, but Mahomes Mahomes' toe didn't seem to affect him at all. He was very mobile in the pocket. Um and he just he just made plays. He just outclassed them. The defense outplayed them too. I mean, Diggs, who you expect like has a great season, got locked up. Of, on occasions, I mean, Josh Allen just – there was no plays to be made. He just didn't make any plays. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's coaching's fault. Um, I think Josh Allen still had a good game. He threw 287 yards, two touchdowns, rushed seven times for 88 yards. But he just wasn't as comfortable as he's been, and that's why I think he just wasn't as good as – the offensive line didn't give him enough help, but he just didn't look good when they were rushing him too much. He's got to work on that. He's got to get better in the pocket. Yeah, I mean, they locked up Stephon Diggs. And that I mean, yeah, not only did they lock up Stephon Diggs, there was constantly pressure, and that was Chris Jones, you know, constantly putting pressure in his face, making him uncomfortable in the pocket, like you said. And, yeah, he couldn't extend plays. He had He got sacked a few t- times, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, they had a chance to win that game. It's just I don't know what the coaches were doing. Like, they had two plays. They had two times where they were in the red zone. It was like a fourth and three both times. And they were still losing by, like, I don't know. I think one time it was 21-9, and and they kicked that field goal right at the end of the half. And I don't know why you just want to go for it. And then another time in, like, mid-third quarter, and they were – down like 28 to 12 and they just decided to kick a field goal like i just don't understand why you just want to go for it like it clearly... yeah those spots specific especially when it was um 21 to 9 um you're going into halftime and then the chiefs start with ball in the third quarter so you yeah, I mean... almost you almost have to assume you'll be down another score at least three points if not a touchdown so you have to go for it there that's a big that's a yeah, big that was... play that could have been made I mean, it just showed that coaches don't believe in Josh Allen enough to make the big plays. And, I mean, like, you just got to let them have it. I mean, they obviously don't have the confidence in them. I mean, that – and then the kicker just – I mean, he missed he missed that first PAT. And, I mean, they had the uh, – they were rolling right there. I mean, Chiefs didn't look good. It was 9-0, and they just kicked that. It's 10-0, and I think – I mean, that just kind of – hit at their momentum. They had momentum coming out of the game. Chiefs didn't even touch the ball, and it was already 10 nothing. I mean, that was the Bills' game to win. And the Chiefs just, after that moment, I mean, the Bills' defense looked terrible. Chiefs' defense looked amazing. And, I mean, coaching's just got to be better. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and you don't trust them in the biggest game of his career. Yeah, I mean – comes down to that yeah I would agree with that the lack of aggression in the play calling when you're facing the Chiefs you just got to assume when you're facing the Chiefs that you're they're scoring every time they have the ball so you have to play as if um your defense can't contain them and so you just have to be aggressive or else you, 
I mean, that's the outcome that will happen. I mean, they just got – they just lost. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that one uh, Tyree Kill touchdown, that should have that never happened. I mean, he broke like eight tackles, it seemed like. I mean, he had four guys swarming him, and he didn't. He broke away. Like that was just bad defense right there. Um, yeah, the defense just it it didn't look ready. I mean, they just came off that Ravens game. They stopped one of the best rushing attacks, and probably the best rushing attack in the league. And they just come out and they just let Mahomes just throw all over them. So clearly, there's spots in that uh, secondary that need fixing. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the Bills, their team, they're going to be a good team for years. And if they just fix that secondary and Josh Allen just gets more comfortable in that pocket with pressure, I mean, they'll be back next year easily. Oh, for sure. I think they'll be back. And I think the one thing that they could probably improve that the offense needs is um, the running back, right? I mean, they had Singletary and Moss, but they don't have the true running back one. And you have a draft class which has – a lot of stud running backs, you can go ahead and grab those guys late. You can really affirm your running game and take a lot of pressure of Josh Allen to make those big plays. Yeah, Josh Allen led the each, – each playoff game led the team in rushing yards, and that's your quarterback. I mean, and he, he's more of a thrower than a rusher. And I mean, Singletary and Moss, they're both supposed to be good, but they just don't look good. I mean, they could go – they could – they have a late first, but I mean – Najee Harris will be there. He will. Oh, yeah. I think he'll be there. Uh, they could go after Gamewell. I mean, they have a bunch of options, and they could just, I mean, either trade Singletary and Moss or just let Singletary go. I think that's what they – I mean, Singletary and Moss are good um, change of pace backs, but when you when you draft a guy like a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, you – are expecting them to have the workhorse type option, even though the NFL is leaning towards away from the workhouse. So you can have your change of pace back in Zach Moss and then Singletary, you could let him walk. I mean, they're not true number ones. They're more of, you know, they're like a dual running back. They're not really. Yeah, yeah they're they're two like decent running backs. I combine to be an okay running back. I mean, Singletary is more of a, he's a pass catcher. He's not really more of a, traditional running back and Zach Moss is that but I mean they just didn't look good when they were put in those positions yeah exactly but um on to the Super Bowl um I mean this is this is going to be a high scoring game in my opinion I mean this is the two best offenses in the league going at it uh I mean if Tom Brady limits those interceptions I think the Bucks are going to pull it out um, um yeah, I mean, you can't be throwing three interceptions and hope that your defense is going to lock Mahomes up all three of the yeah, times. I mean, that was, that's just not going to happen. But one thing is, I agree with the, this offensive game, but look how we talked about all year that Tom Brady's offense, they don't, they don't really look good. They're not, they're not really Super Bowl contenders. They're not really looking good. And then as the year went on, they just they kept proving everyone wrong. And now the offense looks as if they could go up and upset Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I I got the Bucks in that game. I just think, I think their defense is really underrated. It's probably a top ten defense. Uh, I mean, and if Tom Brady can limit those interceptions, I think the Bucks have the better defense to stop the Chiefs. Uh, they they just did it to Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP. They did it to Drew Brees. They made Drew Brees throw three interceptions. They they might have just retired two of the best quarterbacks of the past twenty years. And back-to-back games, and I mean, they're going up against probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. So, I mean, if they can force Patrick Mahomes to throw two or three interceptions, the Bucks will win this game easily. Yeah, it's about the pressure, and that's what Todd Bowles is known for, his uh, pressure. Devin White has become really good. Um, you got Jason JPP, yeah, JPP up front. I mean, you got a lot of good defensive line. And – for the Super Bowl, you expect Antoine Winfield, your safety, to be back. So you will have a good, strong secondary. And I mean, on, they, top, yeah. on, on top of all of that, Eric Fisher for the Chiefs tore his Achilles last game. So now you have a weakened offensive line. So that's something yeah, to I mean, look forward. Mahomes still has a lingering injury. It's not going to go away immediately. It's still going to be there. And, I mean, if they can apply pressure to Mahomes, force him to – 
I mean, it's Mahomes, so make amazing passes. But, uh, I mean, that secondary is really good. They just got to watch Hill and Kelsey. I mean, they both went off last game. But I think they can force these one-on-one matchups with these other receivers like Robinson and Sammy Watkins. But if they can double cover Kelsey and keep Hill contained, I mean, and I think the Bucks have more weapons than the Chiefs. So I think that's why the Bucks are going to win it. I mean, they got uh, Godwin, Evans, Brown, Fournette, Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn. He's decent right there. And uh, Gronk and Cameron Bray. I mean, they have two really good tight ends. The best wide receiver core in the NFL. Probably two really stud running backs. But, I mean, they just – the Bucks just got to keep Hill and Kelsey on the wraps, which no one has really been able to keep them both in the same game on the wraps. So. I mean, even taking away one of them would be a win, in my opinion. But, yeah, controlling them is going to be a big issue. And, yeah, just making sure Mahomes can't beat you with um, play action, long throws, that's another thing you have to look out for. I mean, he can sling it, but if you just – I mean, if you're putting a lot of pressure on him, he's not going to be able to make those deep throws. So he's going to force to make those short throws. And, I mean, that'll get you yards. But, I mean, Mahomes is known for those deep throws. And that they could just – I mean, Antoine Winfield is a really good safety. He's probably one of the best in the NFL. But, I mean, on the other side, the Chiefs do have Tyron Matthew. So and he just looks – I mean, he looks unstoppable right now. He's not letting anything get past him. So – and they just got Breland back, too, who looked really good in that Bills game. So, Chiefs have an under, underrated secondary. So, yeah. Um, so, let's move on to the uh, Deshaun and Stafford rumors. What do you think about those? Oh, so, honestly, when I heard the uh, Stafford rumors to begin with, I was like, I was actually really happy for him because – he was in a Detroit team that was not helping him. And a lot of people say, if he goes to this team, he'll be really good. So now he has a chance to do that. He has to actually has a chance to go to a different team and prove that he would be as good as the other quarterbacks if he was playing in the right situation. So I'm excited for him. And I was surprised, honestly, that Detroit let him go. So that means they would need a new quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he'll go to the Colts, though. I think that's – I think – Staff is going to go to the Colts, and I honestly think the Lions will probably. I mean, I think they'll try to sign a quarterback, but I don't know. They might draft one, but I think they might go defense just because that defense is nothing right now. So I, I honestly agree with you with the Stafford to Col- because it's so Colts to sign to sign an older quarterback instead of trying to find their franchise guy. Like they signed Philip yeah. Rivers, and then the year before that they had Brissett instead of having drafted a quarterback. So I feel like. Stafford would be one of their targets to go go get instead of trying to – and they have a late pick anyway, so they wouldn't be able to draft a high-quality quarterback there anyway. Yeah, and it's not like the Colts to trade up. I mean, and Stafford would be a perfect fit. I mean, they got a, they got a couple good wide receivers there. They could go sign one, honestly. They could bring Kenny Galladay with them. Yeah. Sign Stafford or Mar- Marvin Jones. I mean, they could bring Marvin Jones and Stafford there. Or Marvin, Kenny Galladay and Stafford. I mean, they need a quarterback. Brissett doesn't look, look look like he'll be the guy. I mean, they have Jacob Eason, but the, the Colts are going to go get their guy. And you know not I mean? only that, they have a run game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor. They have they have guys that can really relieve the pressure off. Yeah, Taylor and Naeem Hines are the perfect uh, pace RB duo. I mean, Hines will be the amazing on the backfield. Taylor. I mean, some games last year, he looked like Derrick Henry, in my opinion. I mean, he rushed for 253 yards and three touchdowns in that last game. Yeah. I mean, he's he's looked really good. And their O-line, one of the best in the league, so he should get protection oh, yeah, but, there, too. Yeah, I mean, Stafford's never really had that protection. He's never really had a good coach. So, I mean, I think, I think him to the Colts would be the perfect – Option. I think the 49ers and the Patriots are possible destinations. I think the Patriots more likely than the 49ers because it's not like Belichick to go draft a quarterback right away and then start him right away. He'll ease him in. Develop. 
Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they draft uh, Trey Lance this year and develop and get um, an older guy like Stafford or something and just have him play quarterback two, three years and let Trey Lance develop. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, too. I mean, I think the Patriots are another good fit, but they need a lot of improvements on the offense. I I bet that their defense will become better next year because they had a bunch of guys. They had nine players opt out this year, so I bet their offense – I bet their defense will be um, looking much better than it was this year, but their offense needs needs reshaping. They just – I mean, they just need a wide receiver, a couple – probably, like – I mean, Nikhil Harry doesn't look like the guy, but Jacoby Myers, he looks pretty good. He looks like he'd be a perfect wide receiver, too. But, I mean, that offensive line is still really good. They need a tight end. Um, the run game seems fine. I mean, Damian Harris and Sherman Michelle isn't that bad. They bring back Burkhead. Um, but, yeah, I agree. That offense probably – that offense needs some work. Um, I mean, maybe Julian Edelman will come back to, like – a little bit of his former self, but I mean, if they got Edelman at three, Jacoby at two, and they just bring in like Allen Robinson or something, I mean that that would be pretty good. I mean, they still that offensive line is probably one of the best in the league still. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and uh, so what about Deshaun Watson though? You still think you think he's gonna go to the Jets like he requests? Or? I mean, yeah, I've been telling you. The past few weeks, I, after I heard the Watson rumors, I felt, I felt, why not the Jets? <laughs> why not the Jets? Because they have everything except talent. Let's be honest. Um, they have the picks. They have the cap. They just don't have the players. So why not use some of those for something? And the draft. So they have the number two picks. So you just assume that T. Law will be off the board. Trevor Lawrence will be off the board. So at two, do you trust Sam Darnold, or do you trust who you're gonna draft, or do you? I've all those do you draft uh, or do you trust Deshaun Watson? And I'm picking Watson over all three of them, all two of those options. I mean, to me, I don't think it's smart for the Jets to try to do that trade because I think I think Fields is a perfect option. He's not he's not going to be nearly as good as Deshaun Watson, but you're giving up Deshaun Watson for Deshaun Watson, a franchise quarterback. So that's all you get from Watson, but probably. A franchise running back. I mean, I think with their second pick, they'll go to ETN. They have another late first, and then another first. Um, I mean, that'll probably be a, next year. I mean, they have the cap. They don't need to trade for Watson. That fills up a lot of the cap, and they lose all those picks. So, I mean. But think, think about should... it like this. Think about it like this. You have Deshaun Watson coming to the Jets, right? So now all these free agents are like, hmm, the Jets. Maybe they're going somewhere. But you heard Richard Sherman on uh, the other day. He was like, I hope Watson goes to the Jets. I hope he leaves. Richard Sherman's a free agent. You have guys like that become interested yeah. in, in this in this Jets team that months ago you thought, oh, this this is only getting worse and worse and worse. So, And not only did you do that, you replaced your head coach. You hopefully have found the guy. He looks like he, he knows what he's talking about. And you might attract more free agents. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with that. Salah, he looks like he could be the guy. He could bring Sherman. I mean, he coached Sherman last year, so I think he'll bring Sherman with him. Um, and, I mean, if they have – they're already attractive, in my opinion. They have the number two pick, number 24 pick. Um, they have so much cap. All they got to do is sign that one big guy, and then all the free agents will come. And, I mean, they got uh, – some of their picks, I mean, there's a long string of – terrible picks i mean last year uh their first really good uh two years ago a lot of people were hating on quinn and williams but he actually looks like a good pick now he was probably the mvp of that team this year he looks like a good pick and not he only quinn and williams they had mckay beckton so that's why the, there's trust in joe douglas the gm that he's actually making the right moves he made mckay beckton who looks like your franchise right tackle and then you got yeah. denzel mims with your second pick which although um, he doesn't look like the study is yet, but I bet over development he looked he looked good. He had flashes of shown that he could be a really good receiver. Yeah, I mean like Jamison Crowder, he's a he's a really underrated receiver, and they bring back Perryman. Perryman's a great deep threat. They just bring back one of those guys, or they just go out and get. And I mean, they have the cap to go out and sign two wide receivers if they wanted to, and let Crowder 
and Perryman go and then just have Mims, Allen Robinson, and like Marvin Jones or something. I mean, they have the cap to do whatever they want to. And I just don't think trading for Deshaun Watson is the right move in a rebuild because it's just – it'll take too much of all their assets to trade for him. And it'll take a lot of cap. He's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks. In my opinion, I think Deshaun's going to go to the Panthers – because the Panthers, they have all the tools to be an attractive place for Deshaun. I mean, imagine if Deshaun Watson, that offense, that would be one of the best offenses in the league. A top three quarterback, top, probably the best running back in the league. They have a top five wide receiver core. They bring back Curtis Samuel. They could go out. They just need a tight end. And that defense is young, but it's good. I mean, that was really good defense this year. Jeremy Chen, runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. He had a really good year. Brian Burns, uh, Derek Brown was a good pick for them. But, yeah, I mean, Deshaun could either go there, he could go to the Dolphins. That was the second option. Um, But do you think the Dolphins will move on from Tua if they do do that? Well, you got to think about it like this. Do the Dolphins believe that – they want to take their time in developing Tua because Tua looks like he could be something, but I feel like his arms, it's his pocket passing, right? His pocket passing is not that great. So do you want to wait and see what he could turn into in hopes that he could become one of the top 10 uh, quarterbacks in the league? Or do you feel like you're, you're a Dolphin team, you think that you're really good and you can go out and get Deshaun Watson, now you think you could possibly compete now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, they have they have the picks, too, to bring him in, and they have two. I mean, two is still – I mean, if he, he still had a good year. He had a winning record when he was starting. It wasn't totally his fault that they didn't make the playoffs, but, I mean, yeah, that if they keep the picks and they go Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, bring in two it two – Two of Tua's favorite weapons. I mean, it'll make him more comfortable. The guys he played with for two, three years. I mean, he threw that winning touchdown pass in the national championship to Devontae Smith. I mean, that was his favorite wide receiver when he was there. But, yeah, I mean, or they they could go to Sean Watson and be a win-now team, but they would still need some weapons, though. I mean, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams just don't look like yeah. they'd be good enough. I mean – as good as the prospect of getting Deshaun Watson is, I think this Dolphin team has few holes, but I feel like one thing they could really do is, as you said, the fit with Devonta Smith and Tua is already is already great. And now you can put him, pair him in the NFL team with a great coach for development, and you can make this duo become even better. You can get him more comfortable with the passing. I think that... That the prospect of that can become worth can be um, better than having to give up all those picks for Watson. Yeah, I mean they could. I mean they have a lot of options to do what they want. They have the number three pick. They could even trade the number three pick back and just get two wide receivers or something, or get another defensive guy. I mean they have a lot of options with that third pick, and they have the eighteenth pick. I mean. They looked like they were a playoff team this year, and they have two top 20 picks. Um, I mean, they have a lot of – they could do whatever they want to. I think that defense is maybe one or one or two big players away from being a top three defense. Two which just needs weapons around him. I mean, he just – Gesicki looked like his favorite target. Um, I mean, when, him, when he was throwing at Gesicki, he looked good, but he didn't really have anybody else. Most of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, Devonta Smith was hurt uh, for a few games. Preston Smith, um, he took a step back. He was hurt, I think, too. I mean, yeah, you for, definitely need yeah. a receiver at least. I mean, you have a tight end. You have a solid tight end there. Your running game isn't bad, too, Miles Gaskin. Um, although, I do feel like the Dolphins would be uh, in the market for running back because although Gaskin was solid, you can you have an option to really get a really good running game. Yeah, I mean, like eighteen, they could trade back to like around the mid twenties and just go to Najee Harris and pick up another second, and then grab an, another wide receiver if they wanted to, and then 
grab someone. Like, I mean, they have a lot of options with that 18th pick. And, I mean, going at G. Harris that at the 18th would be way too high for him at the moment. But, I mean, that 18th pick, I would trade back indefinitely. And then they could trade that and Miles Gaston if they wanted to, to a RB needy team. Trade back around the mid-20s, take a running back. And they could probably get a high second, too, with that uh, pick. I mean, they could trade it to the Jets if they wanted to. Yeah. The trade between them and the Jets, move back to 24, go Najee Harris. The Jets have another – have a re- earlier first round. They could take another offensive lineman if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, and for the Houston side of it, everyone – I mean, they have um, – Nothing but themselves to blame. They trade away Deshaun, uh, DeAndre uh, Hopkins, and then they didn't really listen to Watson. I mean, how else do you expect a quarterback to feel? And wouldn't it be scary if you're Houston, right? You're sitting back and you see Watson uh, requesting trades and liking pictures of going to the Jets and going to another team. Wouldn't it be scary if you saw J.J. Watt start to join in on those? Now, now you have a nightmare. Now you have nothing. Your star players. Yeah. No first either. I mean, they have one wide receiver that will probably stick around. That's Cooks. But, I mean, besides that, that's the only offensive player they really have. David Johnson doesn't look good. They have Laramie Tunsil, who's decent, but they traded him for a first. Traded for him for a first. And that O-line is still not good. <laughs> no, that O-line is still nothing. I mean, Deshaun Watson had an amazing year, but just imagine if he had an O-line. I mean, he would have probably been MVP if he had an O-line. Yeah. And, I mean, J.J. Watt, just he looks fed up too. I mean, you can tell he wasn't really trying as hard as he has been. He said he talked to Watson. He said, sorry for wasting your prime years. He said that the Watson at the end of their last game. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if J.J. Watt's out too. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're Houston, now you have to decide, right? You This is your offseason. you got to decide. Are you rebuilding or are you trying to go into salvage mode and still compete? And if I'm Houston at this point, I'm just trying to rebuild. You gave away your wide receiver one, just trade away. You can get a huge haul for Deshaun Watson. You can get hauls for um other guys, and then you can go and get draft your quarterback, uh, really develop him and start to rebuild your organization. Yeah, I mean, if they get Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold can start that first year. I mean, he. Maybe they could try him out, and they have that other pitcher, um, I mean, quarterback that they'll get from the draft. They do trade with the Jets, or if they trade with someone like the Panthers or even the Dolphins. I mean, if they trade with the Dolphins and they got Tua and that third pick, they could trade. They could team Tua up with Devontae Smith if they wanted to, which would actually probably be really good for Tua. But they would need offensive linemen, so they could just go offensive linemen at 18. Larry Mitunzel's not terrible, but he's not great. But I mean, he's a decent left tackle. But I mean, they still need a lot of help on that defensive end too. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you want to move on to MLB? Oh yes, this is this is the moment I've been waiting for for the past few days. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we're both. I'm a Red Sox fan. You're an Yankees fan. They've been uh. Something weird happened today. Something very, very weird happened today. Would you like me to go uh, too, or you? Because it won't be another decade before we start saying this again. Uh, you, you can go. You can go for it. The Yankees and the Red Sox made a trade. Yes, I will say it again. The Yankees and the Red Sox have made a trade. Probably the biggest of the past few years. Now you're probably thinking, "Whoa, this must be huge." It's really not, but it's still a trade nonetheless. Right-handed pitcher Adam Ottavino and a prospect to the Red Sox for uh, salary relief. Now, how do you feel yeah, about that? And a player, yeah, a player to be named later. I mean, this, this first trade since 2014, and then before that it was 1994. I mean, this is this is once-in-a-decade type of thing. I mean, just sitting there and just out of nowhere, Red Sox and Yankees trade, and you're like – I mean, you just think, you're like, this can't be real. Come on. Like, it's the Red Sox and Yankees. They hate each other. They're, they're never going to trade, but, I mean. Occasionally, they hook up. 
yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird trade. I mean, if you if you're a Yankee fan, you've been following this. They uh, the Yankees have been reportedly trying to move Adam Ottavino's nine million so that they can go ahead and maybe sign sign a couple more people or sign a person or two. Um, and I just didn't. I knew they were shopping him. I didn't know it would come this soon. And I didn't even know it would be to the Red Sox. So when I was I was shocked that it was to them in the first place. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox are both making moves. I mean, the Yankees, they're, they still need they, – they have one of the best pitching staffs. Now it's obvious they need a late, late inning arm because, I mean, Adovino, he's good, but he's just too expensive for him. He's not – he's 35 and he's going to pay that much money. They needed to move him. I mean, the Red Sox are willing to take him on because the Red Sox need as much pitching as they can get. Yeah, I mean, if you go by off season, like top five off seasons so far, you probably put the Yankees and the Red Sox probably top fives, right? I mean, they both have been making underrated moves and really solidifying their teams. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees probably signed the best pitcher out there. They got Kluber, and then they traded for Towson, and then they re-signed LeMayu, which was really underrated because, I mean, LeMayu was unhappy there for a minute. And they, it looked like they were going to lose probably one of the best players in the MLB right now. And re-signing him was probably one of the biggest moves of the offseason so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, so I'd probably if – I, if I had to rank it, I mean, you and me are probably locked up. It's probably the Padres at one. They just yeah, – I mean, they needed pitching. Their lineup was pretty much solid there, and then – they just needed pitching, and boy, did they go and get pitching. And they signed um, Hoi Seung Kim uh, for four-year, $28 million. He was probably the best uh, infield free agent out there. I mean, he hit two ninety four last year, had a couple home runs. I mean, he, he'll he be their second baseman to pair with uh, Fernando Tatis. They got Musgrove, Blake Snell, and Yu Darvish. I mean, that – that's a, and they had to trade for them all, but I mean they have so much in their farm. They have so much prospects. Yeah, and that really underrated signing was Jerson Profar, and that's a guy that they really wanted to sign, and that's their nine hitter, believe it or not, and that's a really, really good lineup. Jerson Profar is a nine hitter. Yeah, I mean, and then the Nationals were another team that had a really good and underrated offseason. I mean, they got Josh Bell. No one really, no one really knew much about it, but I mean, Josh Bell, he's still, he's still good. I mean, he can hit, and he's their first baseman. They get Zimmerman back. They got Schwarber, who's really underrated. They just signed Brad Hand yesterday, and then John Lester for cheap. But I mean, how he'll be their fourth arm behind Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. So I mean, that was another really underrated signing. Um, yeah, the Nationals, um, they saw what happened last year. They were like. We got to change something. So they made some smart, small, underrated moves. Like Schwarber is a great left-handed bat. Josh Bell, another great left-handed bat. And um, John Lester, another great left-handed pitcher. So, And Brad Hand, um, someone has to give his agent an MVP award because his qualifying offer was $10 million And he got more than that. He got 10.5 after waiting this long. So I was surprised that he got that much. But the the Nationals finally got their closer. And... Their team is looking very, very solid. Yeah, I mean, Soto, he's an MVP candidate every year. Uh, they still have uh, Robles, or center fielder, who's young. And then Schwarber, that outfield is going to be good. They're going to hit. Um, and then, I mean, that they, they got one of the best pitching staffs in the league right now, and they added Han and Lester, their closer and their fourth arm. Yeah, and um, that NL East now, boy – if I'm any team yeah. in the NL East, I am scared because there's not one team. I can't I can't point out a team. Probably the Braves. Probably the Braves won. And then after that, it's just a crapshoot for who gets second and who probably gets the wild card. You probably see there's a very good chance that you see two wild card NL teams come out from the NL East. Oh, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, and the top two each get I – don't, I don't know. I just – they might not do that extended playoff again, which would be terrible. But if they did, they could have all those top two teams and the two wild card teams be the NL East, and they could have four teams from the NL East in that 
in that playoff. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we were to rank you probably you and me probably have Braves one, right? Easily, and then Braves one. Yeah, I probably I probably put the Nationals at two if we're being honest because they're they're um their rotation is very good and now they have a very solid lineup and their bullpen seems to be coming together. Uh, yeah, and then I'd probably go Mets. Mets three, three yeah. Um, um, and then uh, I think Nationals will be last. I mean, not the Nationals, the Phillies. Sorry, the Phillies will be last because I just don't think they barely made any moves this year. I mean, they didn't. They haven't looked good. They still have Bryce Harper, but he's not as good as he used to be. But yeah, that Philly team, I think they'll be last. I mean, a lot. There's been a lot of reports that that, that they can't even afford. They they might trade Zach Wheeler, the guy they signed last year, because of how bad they got hit with COVID nineteen. So they it's yet to be seen if they even get to sign Real Muto. I heard they got an offer out to him. So let's see if he uh, signs back with them. Um, this Marlins team, though, I would agree they. Yeah, that Marlins, it's probably Phillies or Marlins for last, but the Marlins made the playoffs last year, so maybe they can yeah. build on that. They have a decent pitching staff, and their lineup isn't too bad. Yeah, and I mean like. You told me today, uh, Ben Attendee, he had links to the Marlins. Red Sox and Marlins make a trade. I mean, adding another young guy. I mean, that team is really young. And I've heard Ozuna could go back to the Marlins. I mean, he came from the Marlins. I mean, if he went to the Marlins, that would be a huge sign. Yeah, that's their impact back right there. And then they got Ben Attendee as your younger bat. I mean, Marlins are in no rush to make the playoffs. But you start getting some of these guys that you can – like Ozuna, if you saw – Sign into a one-year deal and then maybe trade them at the deadline. You get prospects back. You, get, you start building a foundation. Start building up on your young players, and that's where you start. That's all you can really hope. Yeah, I mean, they still have those prospects from the Yankees trade with Stanton and then the Yelich trade. I mean, they still have those prospects. They're slowly building up. I have Brian Anderson. He's really good. He looks like he, he's a stud third baseman. That pitching staff is still good. I mean, they they won a playoff series last year when they were probably one of the worst teams in the MLB the past two or three years, and they won a playoff series with a really young team. Yeah. But back to uh, the Mets. The Mets look good. They look good. I mean, yeah, and a lot of people – I mean, they're not – A lot of – sorry. A lot of people expected Steve Cohen to go out there and start spending like a drunken sailor, and he's been smart. He's saying, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to make smart baseball moves, and I'm going to make sure that the holes we have get filled, but I'll also make sure that we're not going out and spending 200 – having a 200-plus million-dollar payroll. You got Lindor. I mean, I think the best part – one of the best parts of that deal was that you got Carrasco with him. He's your not three-starter. And when you get Syndergaard back, he'll probably be your fourth starter. I mean, Carrasco is your fourth starter. He's a very solid pitcher. Yeah, and then they got McCann and May. May's a really good relief arm. And then McCann, he'll be their catcher. I mean, he was a really underrated deal. They got him for about $10 million a year. But, I mean, he's a he's an amazing catcher. And they, they've had uh, links to a lot of players that are still out there. I mean, they've had links to uh, Bryant, Chris Bryant. I mean, if they brought in Chris Bryant – I mean, that infield would be amazing. I mean, they got Pete Alonzo, Lindor, McNeil, and Chris Bryant in that in, infield. That would be the best infield in MLB by far. And I think a lot rides on that universal DH. If they were to get the universal DH, it would help them even more. You get um, Dom Smith, who's a better first baseman than Pete Alonzo. You probably put him at first, and then you put Pete Alonzo at DH, and then you, have, you can probably go out and get another – uh, Chris Bryant or something like that, but they've also been linked to Trevor Bauer. I mean, imagine the rotation with Trevor Bauer and Syndergaard back healthy. That's that's probably I mean, the best rotation. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that completely. I mean, Carrasco, I, I just can't believe that they got Carrasco in that deal. I mean, Lindor is one of the best players in the MLB, and some that how they got Carrasco, who is he's a two guy, but he'll be their fourth guy, like you said, and it, they brought in Bauer, I mean, that rotation would be – I mean, they've always had to worry about that third or fourth guy. They just had center guarding DeGrom. But, I mean, DeGrom, if he puts up that under two ERA – Cy Young season again. Yeah, and, I mean, he'll have help this year. I mean, he has Pete Alonso, uh, Lindor, McNeil. I mean, he has a bunch of guys now that he 
doesn't have to worry about his offense as much anymore. Yeah, the addition of Bauer and Chris Bryant would be amazing for them. And if I'm the Mets, there's two thing, two three things that I need. One thing is you still need maybe a bullpen arm or two, even though that May signing was pretty good. So, I mean, if you really want to go out and get these, you get a bullpen arm. Like Sean Doolittle, he's available. He's a pretty good closer. Um, and then you need a third baseman and a center fielder. You really need a center fielder. And that's why they were in on George Springer, but they would not offer him the contract the Blue Jays offered him. He got paid with the Blue Jays. So they they might need to go out and get a center fielder. Yeah, I mean, that – yeah. And they really need that uh, relief arm. I mean, they had uh, Edwin Diaz. He looked like he was going to be a top closer last year. And then he just looked terrible. And then Seth Lugo looked like he was going to be really good too. And he didn't have a great year, so – they probably need to go out and get a new closer if Edwin Diaz is going to be – I mean, they paid him. They paid him a lot just to do nothing. Yeah, and that center field – I mean, they'll have – they have uh, Nimmo in left, probably J.D. Davis in right. But, yeah, that center field, they're going to need someone there. And if I'm Steve Cohen, you get Jackie Bradley, who he's – he's available. He's a plus defender. He makes contact, but he's, you mean more of the defensive front. He's a very good defender. Um yeah, and he'll be their nine-hole hitter, and he's – I mean, he doesn't hit with average, but he was one of the reasons the Red Sox won that 2018 World Series. I mean, he he was uh, MVP of that uh, – the division series, I think, against the Yankees. He was MVP of that series. He showed he could come up big in the playoffs, so that would be an amazing signing for them. Probably only be around nine, ten million, which is right in their payroll. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this Mets team will probably end up competing for a championship. It'll, although, I do think if I rank them in the NL, they are still probably five to me. The Braves are better than them. The Dodgers and Padres. The Padres got better than them this year. Um, and then, um, yeah, they're probably around that four or five spot. So, I, I don't know if they will go out and win a championship. They'll definitely make the playoffs, in my opinion. So they will at least have taken a step forward. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they're yeah, I agree with you. They're around that four or five. They're not better than that the Padres, Dodgers, or Braves, but I mean, the Braves could take a hit this year if they have a couple injuries like they did last year. I mean, they still have the probably the best rotation, second best in the uh major league, but I mean if they take some injury hits, they'll probably they're losing out on Azuna which is one of their major uh, parts of that offense last year. But, I mean, they take some injury hits on that offense. They might not have that offense they had last year. And even – so, I okay, I'm going to say this prediction because I'm going to say it now. The Mets, if they can swing – so let's just say they don't get Bauer and Steve Cohen decides not to go out and sign Bauer. Maybe they make a deal with the Cubs for Chris Bryant and maybe they get Kyle Hendricks because you hear the Cubs – I put Kyle Hendricks on the block. They're hearing offers from him. He's also a little older, but Kyle Hendricks is a great five, four or five starter. And Chris Byron puts you at third. I think they surpass the Braves. If they get those two guys, they'll probably surpass the Braves. They're probably the third best team in the league, in the National League. Yeah, and that pitching staff still good enough to go toe-to-toe with either the Padres or the Dodgers. I think their pitching I mean, the staff Padres... would be better than the Padres if come down to the lineup, right? Because – um, the Padres have Blake Snell and then you Darvish is their top two rotation. And then you got DeGrom and then you got um, Marcus Stroman and Cindergaard. I think that, that's a better rotation than the Padres. I mean, they still have Steve Matz, which will be their five guy. But if they could get Bauer, they move him to their four, probably five. And then Steve Matz is a relief arm. I mean, he's a pretty good – he would be a pretty good relief arm if they can move him there. Yeah. They would have no shortage of pitching. The Padres, I mean, they're they still have some holes there. I think they had a, people are looking at that team and they saw the moves that they made, but they still have some holes to go get out. I mean, in my opinion, Tatis he's going to win MVP this year. He should have won last year, but towards the end of the season, he took a real hit. But I think he'll be MVP. And, I mean, the signing of Profar and Kim were both underrated signings, but really good signings. And so we're looking at the best teams. We can look at the worst team right now was the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, 
They have three pitchers right now on their active roster. Three starting pitchers. I mean, that's just that's insane to me. I mean, the Pirates, okay, they have they have acquired 14 prospects from Tyone, uh, Musgrove, and Bell in the last three days, but in the last three trades, but still, you, you need to keep some talent. You can't always just scrap everything down. They've literally scrapped everything that you could possibly dream of down, and they're going to probably do more. Yeah. And they probably didn't get they didn't get that much from Josh that Josh Bell trade either. So and he was I mean he's still a good first baseman, but yeah they have they're gonna be bad for years. Like I always say in the MLB, it's a lot harder to break a team down and then build it back up because it takes three four years for some guys to build, and a lot of guys fail. I mean yeah, especially in the MLB, you have a lot of prospects that just don't turn out. That's why you when you trade a guy like James Tyone and Musgroves, you. You need to acquire four or five prospects in return in hopes that maybe one could work out. Yeah, I mean, guys can always be good in the minors, but it just matters what they do in the majors. Yeah. And that's the thing about trading those guys. I mean, you got to get a lot of prospects because, you know, those are proven guys that have proven that they are top players in the MLB. But those prospects, I mean – it's a one in probably five chance that most prospects work out. Exactly. And when when you have a guy like Josh Bell, I feel like he would have been their franchise first baseman because he's he's young, especially that, and he has a lot of power on the left side. And that's just I feel like that's just a guy you shouldn't trade. I mean, you could go ahead and trade you could trade Jamison Tyone, he's twenty nine. You have two years left of control and you're probably not winning in two years. You could trade Musgrove, he's not again uh, a pitcher that you won't get a lot of use of but guys like bell and guys like um um they're just some of their younger guys they just um they need to learn to keep some guys or else they they're just they're not gonna have anything yeah i mean they're gonna be bad for a while they'll probably be like the marlins i mean they probably won't want to play out series for 10 15 years because i mean even if they get a couple guys, I mean, it takes a whole team to even make the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, let's go back to the uh, Yankees-Red Sox, though, because we didn't talk about them enough. Uh, how do you feel about the Yankees offseason so far? Um, overall, I think, well, they they are the best team in the AL East. Let's get that straight. I mean, they are the best team in the AL East. And the one thing that the Yankees learned from any anything for the past two years is injuries. So they went out and got pitching depth. I mean, you got Cole as your workhorse. He's your number one. Um, you got um, Kluber is going to be your two until Seve comes back. Tyone will be probably your three. And then you got a variety of guys to fill in the four and five slots. You got Montgomery and Garcia. I mean, you have a lot of pitching depth there. Um, the lineup is obviously good as always. And especially with the LeMahieu signing. So now if you're the Yankees, you just maybe need to focus on the bullpen and especially getting signing a left-handed bat like Gardy. I hope we get Gardy back. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the teams in the AL East made a lot of moves. I mean, the Orioles didn't have a bad year last year. The Rays just – they traded late most of the guys, which I, didn't, I don't understand. I mean, they were finally starting to build back up into a really good team. And they just – I mean, they let Morton go. They let – Blake Snell go. Those were their top two pitchers. I mean, yeah. I'm, when yeah. you and me discussed this earlier, like with the Rays, I was shocked to see Blake Snell being. I wasn't shocked to see Blake Snell trade as much as they would. Um, they were just not. It doesn't seem like they were trying to keep more in, or they were trying. they trying to get a lot of people. I mean, I heard rumors they might get Kluber. They missed out on him. Tyone missed out on him. Musgrove missed out on him. So they, I mean. This team, this Ray team, seemed like, seemed like they could compete for at least two to three years. They're young. They, they're they a very analytic-driven team. They know how to find guys. But, And then you, the most underrated thing that we kind of flew on the radar, Randy Orozarena, he got released because of his domestic violence earlier in this offseason. So that was a big thing, too. So this Ray team really has taken yeah. a step back. And I think, I think at this point the Blue Jays have passed them for two. Oh, easily. Maybe even the Orioles. I mean, the Orioles finished fourth last year, but they were at first for a while. They were at the top of that uh, division for a little bit, which, I mean, that's weird to see, but, I mean, they're still 
they're still building up, but I mean, the Rays went from World Series to probably a top three bottom team in the AL right now. I mean, okay, I, I I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think the Rays are still better. They still have a really good lineup. I mean, I think they're three. The Red Sox are four. Orioles are five. I think the Orioles that that thing in the sixty game season was a little deceiving, but I think the Rays. The Rays are still good. They still have Glass now at one. They still have a very good bullpen in the lineup. So I think they are three, but they have taken a step back. Um, I don't know if you put them above the Red Sox. I think with the Red Sox, some of those uh, moves that they made. I mean, the Red Sox made some under-the-radar moves, but I think probably one of the biggest moves of the offseason was getting Alex Cora back. I mean, personally, he's – probably my favorite manager since I've been a Red Sox fan, but he, I mean, he won them a world series, even though there was the allegations of cheating, he didn't do that in the playoffs and it was proven. It was only regular season if he did it. And I mean, he led that team to the mountaintop and there's still a lot of those players left. I mean, he, he brought the best out of JD Martinez who finished uh, third in MVP that year. And he, they added guys like Kiki Hernandez, uh, Garrett Richards, Adovino, uh, Renfro was a really underrated signing from the Rays, I think. And then, yeah, Cora, that, I mean, bringing him back was probably the best move of the offseason for them. Um, I mean, yeah, you know me. I personally do not like Cora. I think, I think um, the Kiki Hernandez trade is huge. Not only do you take him away from the Dodgers, who I think should have re-signed him, but you got a really good, solid hitter, guy who hits for contact, and a really plus defender. Yeah, I mean, he's – they get Sale back. They get Eduardo back. Um, they still have – I mean, they had a couple bright spots last year. Bobby Dahl back. Uh, Devers and Bogarts both looked really good last year. If they could bring back Bradley, Verduzzo, um, if they trade away Benettini, they get another outfielder and probably a pitcher. I was thinking they could trade with the Athletics to get Chris Davis and uh, Sean Mania. That would be a pretty good trade, I mean – Benettini's still young. He had one bad year, but, I mean, what he did that year that they won the championship, it was – I mean, he was one of the key parts in them beating – winning that championship, getting past the Astros. But, I mean, he's he had a really off year last year, but I think he's gone. I just think the Red Sox are – ready to move on. I mean, you don't chop a guy like that and then just say no. Cause I mean, then Benetton, he, he knows he's getting shops. So he's not going to want to come back. He's not going to play as good. So, yeah. And then, um, you got the blue Jays who have made huge improvements. I think there'll be two the George Springer. Although I think, don't you agree that George Springer, I think was a little overpaid six years, one fifty. Yeah. I think, so too. I mean, 30 million a year. That's, they got their bat, but that's that, that I think that's a little bit much money. But I think the only way they were going to get Springer was if they overpaid. So I guess I guess it all worked out there. Uh, you and me have talked about it. It's it's the pitching that the Blue Jays need now. I mean, they, they couldn't sign Brantley, but their lineup's pretty good. They just need pitching. And Kirby Yates is a good reliever, yeah, they need, but they need starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, they got Chatwood, too, which isn't a bad starter. But, yeah, they need a lot of pitching. Um I mean, Hinjin Ryu, I, I honestly like Hinjin Ryu. I think he'll be the perfect number two arm. But, yeah, they they could go out and get Kluber. He'll be their number Bauer. one. Hinjin Ryu is a number two. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Bauer, yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, that AL East is starting to look good again. I mean, Yankees at the top. Blue Jays will probably be two. I mean, even though the Rays trade away to all those guys, I mean, it's the Rays. They've been good the past two years with – the their really low expectations going into the season. Yeah, no name players. And then I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's past two years. They've got those no name players have come up and look really good. And then, I mean, the Red Sox as their fourteen, with how many players they still have from that championship team. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good if your number fourteen is that good. I mean. The Red Sox have a chance to make a run, but so do the Blue Jays, so do the Rays. The Yankees are – I mean, the only bad thing about the Yankees is they just can't seem to win the big series each yeah, year. Yeah, and it comes down – always Like last year, it came down to pitching. They they fell down on pitching, so they come to this offseason. Their priority signed DJ LeMahieu. They got him, and what they've been focusing on getting the pitching. 
and it's just staying healthy. I mean, Judge and Stanton just can't stay healthy, Judge. I mean, I think he had that really – he had those good first two, three years, but I just don't think he's as good as he – I mean, they restructured his contract. He's not getting paid as much, which I think that was a good idea. But, I mean, he's just not that star player. I think, yeah, bringing back Lumehu, who's probably their best player, that was the best trade they could make. I mean, best signing they could make if they did it. Um. Yeah, I mean, Judge Judge hitting arbitration number two. So he's going to, you'll need to prove that he can stay healthy and be produced. I think when healthy, he's one of the best. He's probably a top five player in the MLB. Not probably. I think he is best top five in the MLB. It's just about uh, staying healthy and being able to consistently get at bats to be able to produce. Yeah, I mean, Stan looked really good in the playoffs that last year. Uh, I mean, he looked like Marlins. Stanton again. He was hitting bombs last year. He's one of the reasons they almost knocked off the Astros. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees, they're the best team in the AL East. They've been one of the best teams in the MLB. They just haven't been able to get to that World Series. I mean, they make the moves every offseason that they need to make, but then the season comes and then they just fall flat when the playoffs hit. And Yeah, I mean, when they last two years has been hindered because of injuries. I mean, their pitching last year got hindered because of injury, James Paxton. Um, but this year, if hopefully if everything comes good, you got Garrett Cole will be your game one starter. Kluber, Sevi, Tyone will be your two games, two, three, and four starters. So now you have pressure on less pressure on Cole to try to pitch every three days, try to get you a win. And these guys match up. Yeah, these guys match up well against these other rotate uh, other rotations two, three, and four. So it takes relief off the bullpen yeah, too that got overworked last year. Yeah, and they they can move Garcia and Montgomery to the bullpen, and then they can be bullpen arms if you know if one of the pitchers have a bad game. I mean, if they can have Cole pitch every if he can pitch game one and game five. And then he could probably pitch game seven if they go for it. Or he could pitch game one, game four, and game seven. But they have the options with that pitching to uh, – I mean, it's so deep. They don't need Cole as much as they did last year. But he'll be more rested, which means he'll be a lot better. Yeah. I mean, it just comes down to the pitching for the Yankees. I mean, that's what um, has kept him out – kept him out from competing. But – it's been the hitting too. I mean, they've been really cold, so they they have to figure out how to hit well in the postseason too. I mean, I think, I, I mean, it's been the Astros the past years that have knocked them off, but I think they'll get past the Astros this year. I just I don't see any team in the AL really stopping them. I think the NL the NL is stacked. I'm gonna be honest. The NL is very 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 good, and the and the AL just I mean it doesn't look as good. The Yankees are the best team, and honestly, if you put the Yankees in the NL, they're probably the fifth best team, maybe fourth. So, maybe I mean, they, there's you could argue that they're like the Mets and the Nationals, and the Braves, Dodgers, and Padres could all be better than them. Yeah, I mean, the the AL is for the Yankees to win this year, and I think if they don't, I mean, they'll probably have some guys leave, and I mean, it's their. I think I think yeah. I mean, who in the AL is going to be their biggest competitors? Um, it probably probably have Blue Jays. Probably in their own division is a pretty good competitor. Um, the Twins. Twins are pretty good. Uh, yeah, the twin. The, I mean, the Twins are the best competitors, but the Twins they lose. They lost out on some guys this year. Yeah. I mean, the White Sox are a possibility. They got Lance Lynn and um, Adam Eaton, and they added both them, but they're a possibility. I mean, Embraer coming off that almost MVP season last year, or MVP season, actually. He's a po- they're a possibility to make it. And then, but I don't know about the Indians. I mean, the Indians will drop out, I think. Uh, the Royals made some signings this year. Yeah, then the A's and the Astros, they're both good. You never know about the Angels. I mean, they have the best player in the MLB. They just need to get those guys around them. Yeah, I mean, 
fails wide open for the uh, Yankees to win. So, yeah, that'll be all for the show today. Uh, Thanks for tuning in.